Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. come a long way since January 2018 through the book of Ephesians, and this is our last message out of the book of Ephesians here. (laughs) This is a uh, a definitely a milestone here. Now, as I said, uh, we're going to finish up the last uh, few verses here, at least last four verses here out of Ephesians this morning, and uh, next week, I'm going to give you a very brief overview of everything that we've covered What I'd like to do next week is um, for there to be some conversations. So, in other words, uh, things that maybe you've learned over the past year, year and a half, year, seven months, uh, whatever it's been, for you to ask questions, uh, comments, things that maybe God has taught you. I think it's good for a church for us to be edifying one another, be building each other up, and we do that through the ministry of each other. Uh, we're ministers, all of us are ministers, and we are to be edifying and building each other up through uh, the word. And uh, so I'd, I'd really like to give you some opportunity to communicate how the message of Ephesians may have helped you or, or changed you uh, in your own Christian life. Now, in these last few verses that we're gonna look at, uh, these are the closing remarks of, of Paul's letter. Um, oftentimes when you spend some time on the telephone or uh, if you're writing a text or you're writing uh, an email, whatever it may be, a letter, if that person is very endearing to you and, and you, you, you care about them and you, uh, you, you share some common interests with them, uh, usually you end that letter with some form of remarks such as take care, I love you, see you soon. We all do that. These are the closing remarks of of Paul's letter here as he writes to uh, this church at Ephesus. And up to this point, the book of Ephesians really hasn't been a very personal letter. And I believe that's because Paul intended it for this letter to be circulated amongst the other churches. And so it really wasn't very personal. But uh, at the very end of this letter, it really oozes with these terms and this love that he has uh, for these believers here at Ephesus. And you know, when you stop and think about Paul's circumstances, I mean, you've got to remember, Paul was writing uh, this letter to the Ephesians while he was in prison. Think about his circumstances. It really wasn't the best circumstances that he was involved with, okay? But he's writing to this group of believers from prison. And you know, um, we learn, you know, from other parts of scripture that uh, Paul was, was under attack by other Christians. Um, and, and really, Paul could have made an appeal for his own personal needs. Like, hey, remember me, I'm in prison. Uh, If you think about it, send me some bread. Uh, If you can think about it, come and visit me. But he doesn't. In fact, he takes all of his time and he reassures and he reaffirms his love that he has uh, towards these fellow believers. Um, 
And so when Paul comes to saying farewell, Paul's focus is on his concern for these believers, for these Christians that are living uh, in Ephesus. And he really puts forth the concerns for their own needs instead of the concerns of his own. Um, and I, I can think about in Ephesians 3.13, Paul said, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. Paul was not one to elevate his own sufferings and discouragements and problems above the problems and needs and, and sufferings of, of others. So what does Paul do? Well, he sends a man to them and he says, I'm gonna send this man and this man's name is Tychicus. And Tychicus is going to tell them about his situation, about Paul's situation and comfort their hearts. And that's what we're gonna be reading here in Ephesians 6, 21 uh, through 24. And then Paul finishes it all up with a, with a prayer, really. Uh, a prayer for the Ephesian believers. Now, in summary, this is what I want you to take away with you this morning. Take care of each other as the body of Christ. Take care of each other as the body of Christ. You know, all of us love, each, love ourselves, don't we? Amen. We stand in that mirror. We look at ourselves. We fix the problems that we see in the mirror. We feed ourselves. We hydrate ourselves. We really do love ourselves. But I guess the question, the real question would be to ask, do we really have love for each other? Do we really love each other? Do we take care of each other as the body of Christ? And that's what Paul's main emphasis here in these last few verses that he's trying to really stress uh, to the believers. So let's take a look here at our text. Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul gives these two examples. And first of all, he gives the example of Tychicus about how to take care of the church. Now, part of caring is keeping each other informed about how we're doing. So twice Paul mentions here in this uh, text, Ephesians 6, 21 and 22, he says, so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. And then again, secondly, he repeats it again, verse 22, that you may know how we are. Paul says, I'm sending Tychicus so that you may know how we are doing. And I wanna keep you informed of what's going on in my life, how things are going. Now, of course, uh, sending Tychicus meant that Paul would be deprived of his dear brother's uh, companionship while he's in prison. I mean, I, I do believe that Tychicus was, was visiting Paul on a regular basis. And, and finally, Paul says, hey, you know what? You need to go to Ephesus. Go tell them what's going on in my life and how I am doing. Tychicus says, okay, yeah, I'll go do that. So... These words about Tychicus and, and Paul's uh, benediction, his closing words in verses 23 and 24, show us how to be a caring, godly brothers and sisters in Christ. How we can actually care for each other. 
I mean, how do we care for the body of Christ? Well, in, in the American church that we have established here, um, you, you hire a, a professional, you hire a pastor, and the pastor is to go and visit and, and care for you and talk to you and, and pray for you. But is that New Testament, is that scriptural New Testament? I'd say no, it's not. The, the job of all of us as believers is to care for each other, to have love and care and concern for each other, to be building up the body of Christ as what uh, scripture teaches us. So who was this brother Tychicus? Well, his name Tychicus means by chance or lucky. He was a trustworthy servant of the Lord from Asia Minor. Uh, we read about in Acts 20, verse number four, that along with other men, he accompanied Paul on part of his third missionary journey. We read that he was one of the men who helped take the collection to Jerusalem. We read that he went to the trouble of going to Rome to be with Paul on his first imprisonment. And now Paul is sending him back to Asia with the letters to the Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. We also read that he was escorted, he escorted the runaway slave Onesimus, who had now become a Christian, and he was escorting him back to his owner. We read that Tychicus was responsible to intervene before Philemon so that he would welcome Onesimus back as a brother, rather than punishing him as uh, the law would have dictated. And we find later in Titus 3.12 that Paul sent either Tychicus or Artemis to relieve Titus on the island of Crete. And then we also read in 2 Timothy 2, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 4.9 and also verse number 12 that Tychicus was again with Paul in his second imprisonment and Paul sent him to Ephesus freeing up Timothy to try to get to the apostle's side before Paul was executed. And so Paul knew this man Tychicus very well. He had spent time with Paul. He was there with him, caring and helping Paul. And uh, Paul says, I'm gonna send him to Ephesus to help the church there, to be an example to the believers of what a caring believer should be doing in the body of Christ. And so there's something that I believe that the church can learn from Tychicus' example. So here's a few things that we learn from his example. Number one, be a beloved brother or sister. Be a beloved brother or sister. Now, Paul's words here are almost identical with uh, Colossians 4, 7 through 8. Paul writes in Colossians 4, 7 through 8, Tychicus, a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow slave in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are doing and that he may encourage your hearts. Now in both places, in Colossians and Ephesians here, Paul refers to Tychicus as a beloved brother. Now he could have just called him a brother, could have just said, hey, Tychicus, our brother, but he doesn't. He adds that word, beloved. It shows that Tychicus was a warmly relational man. He wasn't cold and distant or unfriendly. He wasn't short or abrupt and insensitive. 
He wasn't grumpy and difficult to be around. He was beloved. And so when Paul used that word to describe Tychicus, he was saying everyone who knew him would have nodded and thought, yes, he is a dear, loving brother. And we love him dearly ourselves. Would people describe you and me as a beloved brother or a beloved sister? If you say, well, not very many people know me in the church, it probably says more about you than it does say about the church. Because as a believer in Christ, if you know Christ, if you've repented of your sin and you've trusted Christ and Christ alone for salvation, this is your family. You will spend all of eternity with those who know Christ. And so what does that say about you and about your relationships with your other brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you friendly and approachable? Do you go out of your way to meet new people and make them feel welcome? Do you take a genuine interest in others? Tychicus was that kind of a man. That's why when Paul called him the beloved brother, everyone would have nodded in agreement. Yep, that's Tychicus. He loves the brethren. Secondly, be faithful. Look what he says about Tychicus. He says, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister. Tychicus was faithful. It means that he was trustworthy. He kept his word. He did what was assigned with integrity. Paul could even entrust him with the weighty responsibility for the churches in Crete or in Ephesus and know that he would be responsible to take care of whatever Paul needed while he was sitting in prison. He was faithful. Tychicus could be trusted to deliver even that large sum of money that was collected there in Jerusalem without pocketing a little bit for his own gain. He was faithful. He did what was asked for him to do. He safely delivered the letters of Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. He didn't know what they would become part of scripture, but he knew that this is what Paul asked for me to do, and I'm going to be faithful. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit that should mark every believer, according to Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. But it seems all too often that I think faithfulness is really lacking in our lives as believers today. Faithfulness is a crucial part of caring relationships because it means that if you say you'll do something, you'll do it. They can count on you. Thirdly, he was a servant. So be a servant. If you're gonna have a loving, caring relationship with the church, you need to be a servant. Tychicus was not just faithful, but look what it says. He says that he was a faithful minister. Now that doesn't mean that he was part of the clergy. It didn't mean that he went to Bible college and graduated with some degree and was uh, sent to some church as a circuit riding pe preacher. He was a minister. He was a servant. The body of Christ is called to minister to each other's needs. And so this word minister is not just for clergy. It is you. If you know Christ, you are a minister. And we are all to be ministering to each other's needs. 
In Colossians 4, 7, it says, Tychicus, a dear brother, faithful minister and fellow slave in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. Ephesians 4, 21 says that all of us, the body of Christ, we are to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That is to build up the body of Christ. In Matthew 25, 21, at the judgment, the words that you would want to hear from Jesus Christ are well done, good, and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So to hear those words, then you must be faithfully serving him now. So are you? Do you faithfully serve Jesus Christ every day? Do you live to do his will? Do you look for needs in the body of Christ? Seeing that there is a need in the body and saying, I can fulfill that. I can do something. I can help. I can encourage. We're not talking about the building. We're talking about the people. Are there needs among the people that you can help and fulfill? I believe there are two types of people that walk into the door of a church building. One type thinks, here I am, church. I've arrived. Serve me. Often those people leave because they are not being served. The other type of people within the church building look around and they say, what needs can I meet? How can I be a faithful encourager and a help to those around me? They're not here to be served, but to serve Christ by serving his church. They care about others. Fourthly, be an encourager. If you're gonna follow Tychicus' example, you need to be an encourager. Look what he says here. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. The word encourage means to come alongside to help. Paul knew that the Ephesians were very prone to lose heart. That's why he wrote to him and said, hey, look, don't get all upset about my own sufferings. Remember, it's about the Lord. And so he sends Tychicus to be an encourager and a help to him. You know, if Tychicus had been a gloomy, negative sort of guy, I think he would have told the Ephesians of how dismal and how horrible Paul's situation really was. But he wasn't that sort of man. I believe Paul knew that Tychicus would convey to the church Paul's spirit of trust in the Lord, even in the midst of his difficulties. And this cheerful report, I believe, would encourage them. What a ministry there is for all of us to be an encourager. You know, every single one of us can be an encourager. That's one way that we can build up the body of Christ is being an encourager. Did you ever meet people or be around people that when they talk, the only thing that comes out of their mouth is just negative, negative, negative? I mean, it could be, it could be sunny outside and you say, boy, it's a great day. And they could say, yeah, but it's going to rain later on. 
Be an encourager. Encourage people, build them up. This doesn't mean that you put on rose-colored glasses or deny the reality of problems, nor does it mean that you, are, you never acknowledge and comfort, confront wrongs. Rather, it means that you get people to see things from God's perspective, which always brings hope and encouragement. So I think we should learn from Tychicus' example, and we should be faithfully serving and encouraging every believer in the body of Christ because of Tychicus' example here. Let's look here at the second thing, Paul's example. Now, Paul shows us how we can be a caring church. Now, in these last two verses, there are what's called the benediction. It's kind of the close of the letter. Now, we could just kind of skim past this and say, okay, letter's over, but we have to remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. So even in these last few verses, these last closing remarks, it's important for the church. And I believe there's a lot of solid theology here in these last two verses. Now this benediction varies from Paul's usual form uh, in his other letters, uh, which I believe it's, it's not just a throwaway closing, just like, oh, okay, all right, Paul, all right, see you, okay, bye-bye, you know. It's different from his other letters. You say, well, how? Well, for example, if you read Paul's other closing statements, he usually says, you, but here he says, to the brothers. Usually the last words are in a single part, but here they're found in two separate parts. Usually he mentions grace first, but here peace, which is usually mentioned last, is first. So I believe in reality, I, I think that this, this closing here that Paul is giving, I believe it's, it's more of a prayer that Paul is offering to the Ephesian church here. And he's saying, I'm going to pray this, and I am praying it as I'm writing it to you uh, of what I would like to see within the church. And so Paul here talks and he's longing to see the whole brotherhood of Jews and Gentiles to be reconciled as one. Remember what he was writing about all that in Ephesians uh, uh, 2 and 3, talking about how Jew and Gentile have come together as one body and, and the cross has destroyed the, the, the animosity between the two and there's a new humanity as one. And uh, so he, he's longing for there to be peace among them. And so we see this evidenced by four words, peace, love, faith, and grace. Paul mentions these. Now think of the meaning of each one of those. Peace, love, faith, and grace. As a believer, which one would you say means the most to you? What about where you are in your own Christian life right now? Which one of those words means the most to you? Peace, Love, grace, faith. Now in this prayer, Paul actually shows us how to be a caring church, how we can care for one another through these four words. So this prayer, I believe, should also be our prayer. So here's four things that all of us can do to show care and concern and build up the body of Christ. All of us can do these four things, right? Here they are. Number one, show care by praying for peace for the brethren. Show care by praying for peace for the brethren. 
Again, one of the main emphasis that Paul makes mention about in the book of Ephesians is Jew and Gentile coming together because there, so there was so much hostility between the two. And he talks about how they came together as one because of the cross. The cross does that. The cross brings peace. And so Jesus, because of what, what Jesus has done, he's paid the penalty for all of our sins, for all of our wrongdoings. He took the wrath of God. And so Jesus has brought peace to us through the cross. And so drawing near to God is not a matter of doing religious type of deeds. The Jews had been very religious, but their religion was not... Uh, good enough to reconcile them to God. And then you have over here the pagans who are just doing abominable types of things, and yet they cannot be reconciled to God only through the cross are both of them to be able to be reconciled. And so Christ made it possible for both non-religious pagans and religious Jews to draw near to God uh, through faith in Jesus. But I believe this peace with God through the cross of Christ also reconciles groups that formerly were alienated for, from one another. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. For Paul, I believe a large part of the glory of the church is that it, that it contained, as he said in Colossians 3.11, no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So here's the picture, okay? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you meet another believer in Christ... They've trusted Christ as their savior. They are your brother. Even if they don't attend the same fellowship as you. What does that mean? That means that we do not hold animosity against other believers because they don't believe exactly the way that we believe. We have peace towards them. And so we should be showing peace. We should be living in peace with one another because of the common bond of our salvation with Jesus Christ. Even in this room, there's no doubt about it. All of us have came from different backgrounds, different uh, denominations. But our main thing is the fact if you have trusted Christ as your savior, then we have unity, we have peace with one another because of Christ. But what happens is when we start elevating certain things above Christ and we make those things more important than we do the gospel or Jesus Christ, then we're going to have problems. So Christ had brought peace. And so we should be praying for peace uh, for one another. Secondly, here's the second thing that you can do as a caring church. Show care by praying for love for the brethren. Peace and love, I believe, go hand in hand, and that's evidenced through Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. God's love for us is in the example for our love for one another is what Paul said, be an imitator of Christ Jesus, walk in love, as he said in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. I believe our homes should radiate the self-sacrificing love of Christ between husbands and wives and parents and children. That's all outlined in Ephesians 5. 
about how the husband and the wife are supposed to be uh, in a committed relationship and the, the, the husband laying down his wants, his desires, his life for the betterment of his wife and his wife lovingly submitting to uh, her husband's leadership. And so I believe in the church, we must work at building and maintaining loving relationships between one another. Uh, that's all outlined to us in Ephesians 4.31, that we would bear with one another, forgiving each other as Christ has forgiven us. So when somebody offends you or hurts you or, or does something, we forgive, we bear with one another in unity for the sake of unity because Christ has forgiven us so much. Thirdly, we should show care by praying for faith for the brethren. Paul prays for love with faith. Notice that, and love with faith, as I believe the two qualities are closely connected. In Galatians 5, 6, Paul writes, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Did you get that? Faith working through love. If I could paraphrase this verse, I would say, the outward keeping of religious rituals is not the main thing, but rather faith that works itself out in deeds of love. Let me read that to you again. The outward keeping of religious rituals is not the main thing, but rather faith that works itself out in deeds of love. That's what we should be doing. Working out our faith through loving actions towards others. And so I believe since Paul is praying this for the brethren, he's concerned here with the increase of faith and love among those who have already believed in Christ for eternal life. And as Christians, I believe that we need greater faith in Jesus Christ that will move us towards more love towards other believers and the church. So get the picture. As your faith in Christ increases, what should be happening? The more love that you should be showing towards other believers. So if you're not showing love towards the believers, there's something wrong. Something's broken. And so Paul is saying, we need to be praying for love for the believers. Love with faith. And where does the source of this peace, love, and faith come from? Look what he says. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's not something you work up by yourself. God gives you the faith. God gives you the love. He places the love in your heart as your faith increases more and more. This is amazing. What God does in our hearts and our lives. And so he demonstrates this with these equality with God the Father. He says, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should ask for one another and for ourselves that God would, I believe, increase our peace, love, and faith. Here's the last thing that we all can do as a, as a body of Christ 
to take care of each other. Grace. Pray for grace for all those who love our Lord Jesus incorruptibly. Now, this is Paul's second time he mentioned grace to be with them. Uh, he mentioned it, first of all, in Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. And Paul emphasized grace as uh, that salvation only comes through grace, through faith in Christ alone in Ephesians 2, 5, and 8. And in Ephesians 2 and 7, we are reminded so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now take a look at these verses here, just real quickly, okay? Look at Ephesians 3, 2. And mark the word grace. Look what he says. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Look at uh, Ephesians 3, 8. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And look at Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of of Christ's gift. Now, we see that the only way we can serve Christ is because of his grace. Again, astounding that it's not something that we do ourselves. God gives us the grace to be able to do that. And God's grace is an inexhaustible storehouse. We need to pray for one another and ourselves that we would experience his grace more and more. And note how Paul describes believers here, the last part of this verse. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible, without corruption. You are a genuine Christian if you know that God has given you eternal life in his son. And as a result of that, it's not that you do holy things, but it's the fact that you love Jesus and you love Christ. And as you are growing in your love for Christ, he's giving you more and more grace to serve him. He's giving you more and more faith. And Paul says, you got to get the picture. Love Christ. Follow Christ. Love Jesus. And so we experience his grace that saved us. Although all of us, all of us should be condemned to hell. But we're not. Because of his grace that saved us. And so for us, church... I believe that all of us should be working at these things, showing love, showing grace, showing faith, praying for one another. I'm gonna give you a little homework assignment that I think would be very helpful to you as a, as a church body. Find somebody in this body that you may not talk to a lot. Go up to them and ask them, say, can I pray for you for one thing? Just one and then actually pray for them. And I challenge you to do that. You know, some of the, 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 the best words that we can say to people is when, when, they, when, they, when they may share with us something that might be going on in their life, I'll pray for you. 
and pray for them. Show love, show care, show concern, and care for the church, care for the body of Christ. And I believe that all of us can build up the body together as one. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.